0: The Great Cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing cricket at the grade level. It's a
1: tough, mean, dirty, dirty business being a great
2: cricketer. A lot of cricketers, you know, that's all they know. They've Mm. done it since they're 10 and they have a deep-seated fear of change. The Great Cricket is all about being the most alpha version of yourself as possible, at all costs and at all times. I don't bat or bowl. I just feel the gully, count the number of dot balls in a
3: row, sledge 15 yards, make me feel better about myself. Thanks, Thanks, champ. champ.
4: Oh, no, you called me champ.
3: Hello and welcome to the Grey Cricketer Podcast on Fox Sports. What a massive show we've got. Gideon Hay is on the show. Gideon Hay is on the show. ODIs, the David Warner Show. Australia and Pakistan, the preview. That starts today. India versus England, the wrap-up. The law changes proposed by the MCC. The under-19s carnival. Your questions asked TGC.
2: My name is Ian Higgins. I'm joined by Dave Edwards and Sam Perry. Chaps, welcome. Mm. Thanks, Egos. Thank uh, you. Your introductions are getting more buoyant every weekend. Isn't it a hot one today? Is it hot enough for you? How many times have we been asked that today? 83. Mm. Never laughed
3: once. Mm. Same people who say, is it hot enough for you? The same people say, nice weather for ducks. Mm. It's yeah. the same. So particular. this isn't a global enterprise, what we're doing. There are people listening over in England or anything like that. Is uh-huh. it hot in
0: England today? It's just Sydney. Mm. Yeah. Sydney-centric. Which is why speaking to Gideon today will be good, because he's based in Melbourne. Yep. yep. was born in London. Trying to try and find out a little bit more about him, like how many mm. test matches he played.
3: Because
0: mm. um, yeah. I'd never heard of him. Never heard of him. Apart uh, from him. that. Not have never heard of him. But uh, th- there was a couple of ODIs leading into the test matches that we're going to discuss. I yep. uh, just want Last time we spoke... Australia had beaten New Zealand in at Manuka Oval in Canberra. Mitch Ma scored some runs. So let's just quickly yep. wrap what yeah, happened in the third one. That was in Canberra. Yep. Very few people turned up to the MCG. Standard crowd debate about it and whether ODI should exist at all. Let's just talk about what happened. Australia trounced New Zealand again. Yep. Yep. Uh, the star of the show was David Warner. And I thought we could just talk about Warner for a little bit okay. because all of the reviews of this one-day one series has been done. The less said about it, the better. Let's be honest. We know it needs to exist, respect mm. to the format mm. and its memories yep. in, in the nineties. But let's talk yeah, about. We were con- contractually obliged to play that against them. Yeah, closest exactly. Tables. Horse
3: trading, yep. I believe. No one wants to play, but a bit of it's about no. horse trading between yeah. rich nations. Yeah. Well, Dave, you said it last week. It's just it was incongruous in the timing of the series. It was mid-series. We had a couple of days to kill. Let's play some ODIs against mm. New Zealand. That I know climbs. whenever I've
2: got a few days to kill, let's play a fifty-over fixture in hot weather. <laughs> That is true. We, we did that all through our youth. <laughs> 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 yep, yep, yep. David,
0: David Warner hit uh, 156 off 128 balls. He yeah. batted through the innings, uh, only to be dismissed off the last ball, and that mm. caused conjecture over whether that many carried the bat or he didn't. He didn't. He got out he carrying got the out. bat. Is part of yep. carrying the bat. He, he walked off getting the not field, out. not out. And That's doesn't right. that
3: just mean his innings just meant nothing? I mean, like, don't t- I mean, talking <laughs> yeah, about absolutely. just throwing it away. I mean, mm-hmm. Renickers. I mean, he was on. He was on 156. Mm-hmm. Like he could have mm-hmm. let that ball go. And just taking the dot ball. Not the way plays. Though. He could have marched into that dressing room. What have you boys ever done? This reminds me of a situation where I, I put it to you guys. Let's say you're on. Let's say you're on 99 mm, in yes. in a, in, a, in your own match. Doesn't matter the standard. Mm. And you're on 99. You're on strike. You need four to win. Mm. Can you just like knock a single down the ground? Just walk down and then just take your take your lid off, arms in the air, and celebrate your 100. Because then you could march, march into that dressing room and say, "Hey, I have got a hundred not out." What did
2: you boys do? <laughs> yes. I think you can. I mean, I don't think anything would stop you. (laughs) No, but it's selfish, boys. No one wants to be accused of a selfish act on a cricket field. Yeah, but
0: no you're right. right. I mean, this is this is like I mean, we're going to talk to Gideon Hay later, who's a master of the classics in literature. Is one thing that I know about him, yeah. and that's like a catch-22 situation mm. by mm. Heller. You know, like you, <laughs> everyone in everyone in cricket tells you to be selfish yeah. and to own the innings, yeah. and 100 not out looks good in the paper. Yeah, what's the problem with it? Mm. But, but
3: isn't isn't cricket? is just I mean, it's 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 in the it's in the moniker of it being a team sport, but it's really just individuals trying to perform for themselves, much in the same way that in a doubles match, really, if one person is performing very well. Well, and their partner lets yep. them down, they've played well and therefore they, they can uh, you know, feel good about themselves. Um, yeah, great analogy. I, I think I there's think, <laughs> nothing more to be said. I, I think
0: you're talking about something interesting here, though. He goes, Because you're talking about uh, selflessness versus selfishness, and just on the Warner like, point, he, he's changed. Warner's Change, there's been a lot coming out in the press recently about how Warner's he's changed. no longer the bull, he's the reverend. Yeah. Uh, he's breaking records again and stuff, but he's found a, uh, There's an, he's got a newfound zen. Yeah, um, And, and he, they've put it down to his work with a former aerobics instructor with a karate black belt and a triple university degree. <laughs> yeah. oh, I don't know, if, did they, triple university degree? I heard of doubles. <laughs> anyway. Um, Just loves hex debt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's a secret weapon behind David Warner's summer scoreboard right. assault. His name's John Novak. So I've just I given was l- hating this publicity. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. Uh, but he of all of those things in his kind of CV that I just read out, yep. the one that stands out to me is that he was the host, the co-host of Aerobics Oz Style between <laughs> 1986 and 1990. Now, do you guys have a relationship
3: with Aerobics Oz Style? I do remember it. I think it was yeah. on
2: was it early in the morning like a 6:30 a.m. That's Saturdays? Yeah. yeah. cricket.
3: It was very useful as an adolescent male growing up in Europe before the internet.
2: Yeah. For reasons we won't go into. No, that's no, right, no. cardio. You, Pezzy, you mentioned that um, that Warner is now the reverend. Mm. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, you know, he's the reverend with a rig. He's got the best pipes I've seen yep. on a religious figure since yep. Pope Benedict. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I've been spending <laughs> a bit of time
0: thinking about this mm. because Warner obviously used to be the archetypal attack dog. He yep. punched Joe Root in the face. Mm. Now, he's, now he's gone zen. Mm. 2016 really is the worst year. I mean, I wouldn't have yeah. picked I'll give, I'll give you three yeah. things that happened this year: yeah. a Trump presidency, mm. Brexit, Warner becoming Zen and positive. Yeah. Mm. Which strikes you as the strangest? Mm. I think I'll,
2: I think Warner was always on the on the cards for mine. I mean, whenever I look at Dave Warner now, I think born again. He's 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 evangelical <laughs> he's born again religion. Yeah. Yeah. Song. Even if you look back to that <laughs> Joe Root incident that you mentioned, he was defending Hashim Amla. Um, yeah. because Joe Root was wearing a beard that he deemed you know, to be potentially racist. So he was yeah. sticking up for him. So there was always there. There was always a little bit of that in Dave mm. Warner, mm. and it's just great to see it come to fruition. Mm. But do
0: you think there's a Ned Flanders element to that? I mean, with Flanders, you could, if you just chipped away enough, <laughs> yeah. beneath it was a very, very angry person. And, and uh, yeah. do you think that we might see that come out <laughs> yeah. with David Warner as well?
2: Oh, well, I mean, you, he's obviously drawing on you know, New Age philosophies here. I, I don't think he's actually... Mm religious now he's probably he might he might have a life coach at bondi junction Mm. he might be reading a lot of wellness blogs on the internet well this is novak it's his mind coach that's that's what they're calling him novak
0: yeah
3: john novak so but i said this is my mistake now because i thought that dave warner's secret secret weapon was his uh, god-gifted ability and years and years of being a professional cricketer but in fact it's just a guy who's just telling him how to uh, how to chop kick something (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I think so I mean
0: everyone's Everyone's got to have an edge The question yeah. I had for Warner Was that As you know He's century cel- He's
3: scoring a lot of hundreds Right There's Loads of them he yeah. got tons. six in one day is in this year
0: Loads of tons oh. Loads of records yeah. And whenever he scores a hundred He kind of has contractual obligations To commercial sponsors To yeah. celebrate in a particular way Yeah uh, <laughs> we, we can all imagine it now But yeah. Uh, yeah. now that he's working For the older Robes It's style yeah. Instructor, yeah. I wonder if he could just incorporate some aerobic soul style into the century celebrations. You know, step touch, for example. I'd get behind that. I'd get behind Novak. There's been. Did you guys read a lot of the reports that came in about how Matt Renshaw, the young 20 year old who's recently been picked for Australia, has uh, had already bought a ticket to the game as a fan mm. back in May, mm. and then Don't you love
2: those stories. Yeah,
0: then his missus said, "No, nah, you're not allowed to go." Blah, yeah. blah, blah. Anyway, yeah. it, what a it, dilemma. It, it took a turn. It took a turn this afternoon. Is he going to go? He's not. He's going to play for Australia in the game. And, oh, okay. uh, but, but his mates have come out in the press and said yeah. because he now can't fill his ticket, mm. they've looked into buying a mannequin to uh, replace him. And <laughs> right. they're calling it Mannequin Matt. So they've got his Cricket Australia profile picture. And uh, I just thought it was quite interesting because they said, look, we, there was two ways we could get a picture of his face to sit on the seat. One was just to get the Cricket Australia profile pic, or the other one was to print out a picture of KD Lang. Right. The famous 90s crooner. I thought Katie that was I thought that was quite good from his friends in the yeah. press to equate Matt Renshaw now forever as looking like Katie Lang, and
2: he does. So, this is, this is, is, it, is the, it a full sized Katie Lang? Because yeah. I remember she has quite a quiff to her hair, being yeah. annoying if you're sitting directly behind the uh, Katie uh, Lang mannequin. That's an interesting
3: take on it. Legitimately, haven't seen Katie Lang in, in 25 years. Yeah, well, um, you will on uh, Thursday.
2: Yeah, but I mean,
3: this is the great thing about you know the the youth policy that Australian cricket should go for is that it involves young Australians and aren't young Australians just the worst kind of people? They're also 95 percent about demographic, by the way. But they just you know, <laughs> but they'll come up with this kind of hijinks. Yeah, and I'm all for it. It's a nice little story, isn't it? It's, it's well player well, you
0: can it's banter. You can bet that if uh, Channel Nine had been reading the uh, ABC's article that I read today, <laughs> then there will be plenty of shots into Section 30 of the Gaba looking. For a uh, mannequin oh. Matt, mm. But let's talk Let's talk about the match There's cricket to be played There's Okay, okay. Right. The first thing that, The first thing That's going to be On people's agenda Is Amir From Pakistan Yeah
3: Muhammad Amir yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: Do you guys have You know What do you think About his Well it's uh, interesting How many people return. Called
3: Faf Du Plessis A cheat because he put his lolly saliva onto the cricket ball, and that's how we
2: lost two test matches by, you know, a million runs and, and, and 43 wickets. Um, the Amir story is definitely the big story, isn't it? And has he paid his dues? I mean, he has gone away. Paid his dues, like Paid man. his dues. He's like, yeah. the, you know, he's like the club president who's done a bit of time for tax fraud, sure. and he's come back welcomed into the club. No dramas. You know, you welcome those guys back, and he adds a lot of value. Yeah. Um, and at the Gabba, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about the Gabba in a moment, but mm-hmm. did you see uh, how Amir performed in that CA11 game where he took, mm-hmm. I think, a... Four for three in a few in a, in a few mm. overs. Yeah, um, under lights with a pink ball. Yeah, he's going to be tough to face. Yeah,
0: I- I'm really looking forward to seeing him. And you know, if you are listening to the show and you've got any kind of contribution to the public discourse, please don't write about him or talk about him as making a comeback. He's made the comeback. Mm. It's happened. He did. We weren't even part of the story. He's yeah. done it. He's gone to Lords where it happened. We tried to mm. insert ourselves into it. It's done. Let's just enjoy him bowling. Because he hoops it around. And then we'll start
3: hating him when he starts getting S- guys out. So I, was, um, so I was in the UK when that um, happened, when that went down. And I was playing for a club in Surrey. And uh, a- about two months after he got his five-year ban and someone but- and Asif um, uh, were in jail. So his, his ban was, a, f- was a-, a-, a ban from all cricket. Mm. All cricket matches he was not allowed to play in. About two months afterwards, he appeared in a village cricket match in Surrey where he opened the batting and bowling. And he came off his long run. And he uh, and he smoked like sixty, like as if as if that yeah. would like fly under the radar. Yeah. But also, he's a test match cricketer. Yeah. Why are you playing in a village game? Like w- after you've got your ban, when you're like with the biggest story in the UK, well, it was very fascinating. He's obviously he also- never
2: heard of the internet or social media. <laughs> I'm sure fifty thousand blokes took photos and uploaded them straight
0: away. One of the other tantalising subplots to yeah. Australia Pakistan, mm. yes, is uh, the return of ex Australian coach Mickey Arthur. He has yeah. coached a bunch of other places as yeah. well, but uh, mm. that's. Mm. It's kind of bubbling away. He he's overseen a Pakistan side that yep. was number one for a long time number against one. the odds as well. Yep. And um, sorry, you're like my hype man as I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm the hip hop artist, and you're just in the back. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm waving uh, a towel. Yeah, but yeah. they've just been pretty comprehensively beaten in New Zealand as well. Comprehensively beaten New Zealand away from home. So, um, did, is, is, is Arthur Foxing? How much does he want this? Hasn't I mean, he asked him it? about homework Gate oh, yet? I reckon he was
2: because all <laughs> they he are. is just so inextricably tied to that <laughs> yeah. stupid word. Um, yeah, all these years later, yeah. uh, look, it's a lead article today. Oh yeah. Mm. Yeah. How, mm. What are your reflections on Homework Act? Do, mm. do you regret Homework at? Yeah, that's I it. bet he regrets it. it because he's continually being asked it by terrible journalists <laughs> for clear-made purposes. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, guys, I don't he know. He said he was possibly too harsh on them, but he also needed to make a stand. Well, I mean, what about the showdown between Mickey Arthur and Darren Lehman? It's, it's really, you know, it's the intellectual versus the alpha dog. It's isn't the it? alpha mm. showdown, yeah.
3: Mm. Um, I, we spoke to Rob Quiney a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about how uh, Rob Quiney said to us that it was Mickey Arthur who described his Eight as the greatest eight of all time. Yeah. And that sort of stuck with him. And I think that actually annoyed Bobby. A little bit because he didn't ask for that, and it's been you know a lot of a lot of attention and un- unnecessary uh, you know publicity for, for Bobby on his um, it is, career.
0: It, it is funny how words can stick with particular yeah. things, champ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we can't, we can't, we can't I, run away from that. Lads,
3: I and Mickey Arthur wants this, and he
2: wants it bad. I reckon. Like, I mean, I think <laughs> he's Eddie Jones basically. <laughs> what Eddie Jones yeah. is doing <laughs> it for is in the rugby? Yep. That's what yeah. Mickey Arthur needs. He needs this. Yeah. He really needs this. Yeah. Rugby he, union make for. Melbourne listeners. There are other sports, yeah. There are other sports available. But for, if
0: you are Mickey Arthur and you're sitting down in your leather chair, let's say, and uh, he's maybe re- relaxing, he's got a scotch or something, and he's trying to figure out his his blue sky scenario for cricket over the next few months, would it not involve a shellacking of Australia on their home deck? And don't forget, Pakistan beat England at home yep. uh, with this pretty much the same side yep. last year. And uh, – sorry, this year – and following that, Australia to go to India and uh,
3: lose in the way that England are losing now, and just mirroring exactly what happened to Arthur. So, do, like, I think the purists want a strong Pakistan. Pakistan, Pakistan tend to come out here. I certainly do because I said before, when Pakistan are doing well, I think they're like I think it's really exciting when they're doing well. Um, unfortunately, they are terrible away from home, the same as India. They just they don't travel well, and it's really frustrating for me to see. Them lose in New Zealand against not a particularly strong New Zealand team who's not on the, the back of a lot of form because Pakistan have got a really exciting they got Wahab Reyes. there was obviously yep. that infamous showdown at the Adelaide Oval against Shane Watson in the That's World great. Cup, um, Shah the best leg spear mm-hmm. in the world who's been mentored right. by uh, by Shane Warne and then the return of Mohammad Amir let alone a wonderful batting lineup. Yeah, they've always
2: had real match winners, haven't they, Pakistan, yeah. over the years. Mm. You know, you, you've reeled off some of those names earlier in the podcast. Mm. And we always expect precociousness from Pakistan, mm. don't we? We expect them to be mercurial. All these words will obviously be used by Mark Nicholas within the first five minutes <laughs> um, of, of the coverage yeah. at the Gabba. But, yeah. I mean, what, what do we really think is going to happen in this series, honestly?
0: I actually think that... I mean this is perhaps a reflex to me thinking Australia would steamroll South Africa who were in a comparably you came worse very, very situation boldly in the yeah. first I d- episode. I, d- I did. And uh and and we all know what happened. You mentioned he goes that they they travel badly but I can't ignore that they beat England um, yeah. in England yeah. uh, when people didn't think they could mm. and I I honestly it wouldn't surprise me if uh, Arthur's held them back a little bit in New Zealand yeah. in a very relatively low profile yeah. match. It's a three match series. Mm. They're playing. They've got wonderful swing bowlers mm. playing a day night test at the Gabba, yeah. and uh, you know two batsmen in Misbah Ul uh-huh, Haq mm. and Eunice Khan, forty two yeah. and thirty nine respectively, yeah. who still score runs in their late fort. You know, yeah. averaging in the late forties. Yeah. Uh, you know they they. They're every chance against a side
3: who isn't that good. Yeah, like, like, yeah. against a not that good. We're a nervous side. We're a nervous side. We're nervous. Three guys line. playing their second Test match ever.
2: Australia is not what it used to be. We're not. Hayden Lang, uponing or Martin, or Gilchrist, and we? <laughs> well, Who are the top six? Can you say yeah. them quickly? Go, Hayden <laughs> Lang. Uh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if
3: we can be earnest, when I mean, we sort of happy yeah, for a bit, about, about but it. I mean, I think what it comes down to is the wickets, and, and something that our article touches on, if you can read today on Fox World's website, is someone knows everything about everything about mm-hmm. pitches. But I mean, I think like I still can't believe that we lost to South Africa. Like you look at how that series panned out. They didn't have Stain, Morkel didn't play, AB de Villiers wasn't available, yeah. and Hashim Amla averaged nineteen for the series, and they beat us two one. And they yeah. smashed us in the first two test matches. Yeah. But I think that was as much a reflection about the state of the pitches that were prepared by Cricket Australia or the curators for those grounds that were, the matches were played as much as... Um, like, it was really surprising that they allowed green seamers. Yeah. Um, and I think if if the Gabba is a green seamer, I think Pakistan will win because I think they've got a superior bowling... More
2: balanced bowling attack, I think. Is it, do you reckon there's a lot of pressure on oh, curators? More and more now than there ever was because of Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They, they need five days. Yeah. And they, and yeah. people want to talk about it in the lead up. You know, speculation about the pitch and what it's going to do. Mm. Yeah. It's always going to do a bit early. <laughs> yeah, it just, <laughs> it's, it's just... one of the safest things you can say in cricket. Mm. Even on synthetic, mm.
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, uh, look, Brisbane under lights as well. Yeah, there's a lot of bingo games you can play with mm. talking about Brisbane cricket, as you can with every state. But with yeah. Brisbane cricket, yeah. what? How long until you know before we start seeing highlights of Michael Slater's hundred against England in the Ashes in '94, or mm. Warren's yeah. a zillion wickets, or Brett Lee's six, or Hussain losing
3: the, I mean, winning the toss of the Gabba and then bowling yeah. first and then trying get a million on the first day. Uh, Adam Dale's it'll, catch. It'll be, it'll be Adam Dale's catch. It'll be mm. in the first. <laughs> It'll be in the first, um, first segment of yeah, the show. First yeah. hour, yeah. pre-show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. We've been talking a lot about the conditions. Yeah. I mean, oh, but almost too much. Is the Gabba really that humid? Like, we're not playing in Bali. Like, it's still Queensland. Is it going to yeah. do that much? Nah, yeah. No,
3: but it's like the spinners have the best record there. Nathan Lyons mm. got his best, best record there. Mm. Shane Warren had his best record there. Is it's- it
2: another fallacy like the whacker is, you know, this, this outdated? Mm. I don't think it is. I, I think the, the it, it is
0: it. like we talk about the Brisbane storm, like mm. the storms happening in Brisbane in the afternoon. It actually is the perfect storm. Like you're looking at the first time a humid place is using a pink ball under lights right. in a scenario where they need the test to go for five days, which normally means. You're going to make flat wickets. Really, what it means is nobody has any effing idea what's going to happen, and therefore we talk about it for ages and yeah. hope for different things. And then we'll know in two overs in what exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Warner hits three yeah, fours yeah, in the yeah. over, and the series yeah. is done. Bang. So
3: Australia's going to win five nil in yep. three test series. Well done, boy. Should we talk about um, the MCC uh, proposing some regulations? Should we move on to that? Yeah, probably. You really sold
4: it. <laughs> Let's the for prov- regulation. What about like what
3: like widespread law change in cricket? Yeah.
0: Laws rewritten in cricket. Yep. Yep. you know the, the the law based game. Uh, so,
3: so the three proposed changes are <laughs> the three proposed. There's
0: a changes. book called Cricket and the Law,
3: written by a barrister, <laughs> Ripping Reed. Yeah, Ripping Reed. Bedside he, That bloke hated his wife. Let's yeah. call her Spider Spider. <laughs> he really did not want to spend any time with her. So the laws that proposed are that bats can't get any bigger or any deeper. Yeah, no more deeper bats. Yeah. There's also some yellow. How deep that bat is! I've never heard that before. (laughs) No, no, never. Never. (laughs) Never. (laughs) Keep carrying on. Uh, Yellow and red cards for bad on-field behaviour. Right. I mean, that's weird. Yeah, so apparently there's been some huge reports of
0: violence in at lower level cricket in England specifically. So uh, this is across
2: all cricket competitions globally. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, uh, the example they use, so they they put up Mike Breerly, the ex England captain, and Ricky Ponting to sort of sell these proposed changes, which will come through next yeah. October. No better salesman than Mike Brealy. That's right, and I've always said that. And uh, both of them were really cl- they had their you know talking points, obviously, but they're both really clear that it's not an issue at the upper end of the higher levels of the game. It's a real issue at the lower end of the game. And there was a university study done by Portsmouth University that revealed 56.2% of the 763 umpires, it had to be cricket stats so there, didn't great. it? Yeah. Surveyed, had experienced verbal abuse uh, and 21 had reported physical violence. So it was more of an issue of people not wanting to umpire the game anymore yeah. because of the way people
2: carried on. Did they qualify how many arson attacks on pavilions there have been across <laughs> no. the board? Well, we've had at least
3: three or four <laughs> write to us about that. Yeah. Uh, keep sending
2: them in. <laughs> it's interesting yeah. to see how people react to an LBW. Mm.
3: I'm really surprised by the number of physical assaults being seen on cricket fields because I've never actually seen one. Yep. I've heard of one story and I keep in mind keep in mind you guys that I've played cricket for a long time, mm. but I've heard of one story of Physical violence. So, like, mm.
2: and England as well, like, for, I mean, it's even more polite there. Um, well, it's strictly a non violent game, it's non contact. Mm. So, you I really have to want it you to, to, to get a red card. I can't imagine what a red card would look like in cricket. Yeah. It's, it's got to be a physical confrontation. Yeah.
0: In, like, Mike really said that cricket is the only game, apart from Australian rules football, in which there isn't a possibility of an in match deterrent. For bad behaviour. Fair Mm.
2: point. Uh, I'd like to see AFL introduce that before cricket does, though. (laughs) But the AFL's very reluctant to change anything. I mean, they still come back next week if there's a tie in the grand final. So they're (laughs) going to be the last. The game's in rude health. Hmm. Rude. So I
3: think that the reason why cricket is such a... V- like, you get so much verbal attacking in cricket is because that you can't physically nut it out with someone. You know, like in a rugby game, it's all like you smash each other for 80 minutes yeah. and then it's handshakes and you drink with the other team. Yeah. You know, football, as in soccer, it's a bit the same. It's physical in that there are some crunching tackles, but you can't actually hurt someone unless you break their leg. That's, that's and, very yeah. interesting. It's kind of like the legalizing drugs theory, sure. you know, if you just make it available to all it
0: stops becoming a little of this this kind of titillating thing. So yeah. you're saying there'd be less sledging if you could just hit people. What I want to ask <laughs> Probably, is Probably, like, yeah. Less in no what, less in less what scenarios would you uh, say you're in the field you sure. just wanted to hit the batsman like <laughs> like <laughs> it's the last
3: game of the season, you're not going <laughs> to make the finals. Yeah. Well, like you just at second slip, they hit a four. This is no good. Okay, so the situation is uh, let's let's go let's go back to the yeah. you know, uh two let's go two runs to win on the last ball <laughs> and the batsman hits a single And they need to get get a direct hit run at the bowler's end. Cover fielder swoops, picks it up, misses the stumps, and then, no, sorry, misses the stumps, and the batsman sliding to make the run, hits the bat, and then it goes into the outfield, and the second run is on. Now, cricket etiquette suggests that you are not allowed to run because it touched it, therefore, the batsman impeded the fielder, and you can't, but if you're going to win the game, Are you going for that second run? So let's say the batsman turns to that second run. I want yeah. nine blokes tackling that batsman. <laughs> oh, you can actually physically impede yeah, people. Physically as stop that running. So happening. So no
0: one will ever goes, win a game. He goes, and this no one wins. Not, never be a result. No It's one not wins. legalizing drugs. This is legalizing guns. <laughs> yeah, You're yeah, not yeah. solving issues with your words anymore in cricket. More you, guns. You, yeah. no.
2: More guns. More will guns. More Less violence. Yeah, apparently.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's how it works. Yeah okay so that's
3: that's sorted, uh, I think we're in agreement <laughs> deep bats Good. well I actually I actually think that enough enough I think enough is enough with the bats, and here's why, purely on statistical analysis. zero tolerance zero yeah. tolerance on deeper bats yeah. as much violence as possible <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, have as many guns as you want. stop the ammunition. Uh, no, what I'm saying is that the big bats like, like it's gone too far because for instance, like if Bradman had the bat that Glenn Maxwell was using, mm-hmm. Bradman would have averaged three hundred and forty two point mm. six three well
2: and that 's a fact I mean we talked with, <laughs> with we 're talking with Gideon Hay in a moment, if yeah. you just look at the trumper picture that his book is is hinged upon, yeah, mm. look at how small that bat is yeah, yeah. it 's a
3: dead set toothpick yeah but I, I, I mean legitimately, like you can miss time a ball for six now and like and, and even even when Ricky Ponting was going around let 's say in two thousand and four he had mm. that um, what, what was it, the back of his bat was black? What was it, carbon fiber or something like that? Yeah. It was deemed illegal. Right. Yes. But if, I mean, even that bat. Or he, like, better example, David Warner when he made his debut in the T20 against South Africa, the MCG scored eighty-eight. Um, and he, you look at the size of the bat he was using then. It's a lot smaller than what it, one yeah, he's right. using now. But it was frighteningly
2: uh, large to the viewer back then. Exactly.
3: Yeah. But yeah. Uh, so I
2: just think that so we're just used to. It's like the NBN. I think you know, we're just used to fast broadband.
3: You know, mm-hmm. we can't go back to dial-up. I think it's such a batsman's game, and there's this perception in cricket that like everyone wants to see in a one-day international. 450 plays 440 but I think what people want to see more likely is 37 plays 40 I mean it, again I, I'm
0: making silly metaphorical analogies but it's kind of like uh, like performance enhancing drugs mm. like where would it end with bats mm. if it just, if you could just have as as because big a as, bat as possible would uh, it be like those, over, those oversized golf clubs you just come out yeah with a bat as wide as the ground yeah, yeah. you just put it up I'm not getting out yeah.
3: Your move, MCC. Yeah, I've got the biggest bat in the world. <laughs> um, the game would be a lot worse if we were in charge. So we're saying. going
0: to talk quickly about India
3: and England because that's a,
0: probably the biggest series that's going on at the moment. It's one yep. place. It's one place too. Yep. So when we last spoke, yep. England was still in the series and there was a, some positivity around them in, in terms of the runs that they've been scoring over there and unearthing a few new players, a few young players. Haseeb Hamid being one. He got injured. They brought in Keaton Jennings to the fourth test. Keaton Jennings. Hit 100 on debut. England right. hit 400 in the first innings. They came back from that scenario a couple of years ago to mm. do well in the series. Uh, mm. This time, though, they got absolutely slaughtered. India made 630-odd mm. declared. Yeah. Coley what? made a double ton. Jadaisia yeah. uh, may run. No, someone else may runs as well. Anyway, carry on. And uh, and then
2: they bowled England out for about 100 and won yeah. by innings and 30. And now all we're hearing is that heads must roll. Heads got to roll. Is it is Cook the one to go? I mean, he's the captain. Should his head? There's, roll?
0: there's talk about Alistair Cook perhaps relinquishing the captaincy. I think the verb, is, yeah, the verb is yeah. important. Does he resign? Is he sacked? Or does he relinquish, which is a little bit more kind of opaque in yes. terms of the way
3: it works? I think this is a precursor to what we're going to see in uh, six months' time when we go to India. In that, if Australia let's say let's say Australia draw the series against Pakistan, or it's even if it's a narrow win, we, like we will get pumped in India, like we will. Mm. And And so do
0: we have to lose half of our side when the result is already almost a foregone conclusion? Like, is our commitment to winning that big that Mm. we can't just allow the side to go through that? I mean, I'd be thinking about Mm. resting players so as to not go through the psychological torment of it. But maybe the yeah. tournament well, will yeah. be
2: good. You know, that's a real opportunity mm. to learn from you know a terrible mm. experience, yes. life lessons. Yes, life but, the pro- lessons.
3: but the problem is they'll they'll struggle and they and they won't be um, it, w- it won't be a rewarding experience going through that. And then the the public pressure will be such that we will demand heads to roll. And I suspect Steve Smith, who's already under a little bit of pressure um, in terms of his captaincy, he's right. going to go to India. And if we lose, is it a three-test series or is it a five-test? I think series? it's four. four is okay, it four? Okay, yeah. so, so three options, and I got it wrong. Yeah. Um, and and. If we lose that Series 4 now, which you got to say is a distinct possibility, he's going to be in serious trouble for his job. Yes. Uh, but, but he, and, he, and he shouldn't be. Like, we're all, no, gonna inse- we're all going to know. He's to stark when you, his yeah. job. His is jo- right. Yeah, because
1: <laughs> there's like, just life this life life reflex of, like, anymore.
0: if you underperform, uh, even though it's all expected, mm. you've got to go. It's just this kind of symbolic thing that must happen. Uh, you say that we're going to struggle. Mm. There's been some um, correspondence come out from none other than intrepid, uh, I guess, commenter on cricket, Dean Jones, who has a piece in a new book of his with a quote from VVS Laxman saying that Australians have been gardening wickets incorrectly Mm. this whole time. (laughs) Um, If I could just kind of paraphrase VVS, he says the Australians tend to kick off any small bits of turf and not fill these holes that sometimes have sharp edges to them. Indians, we, we look, we look after our office. You always got to keep your office clean. You got to keep your bedroom clean. It's about keeping your workplace clean. He just kept talking about the cleanliness of his yeah, workplace. And he clean. said, they actually fill in the holes with any debris that might be on the pitch. So they, they see the <laughs> stuff that's on
3: the pitch and go, I could use that. Yeah. It's sustainable yeah, yeah. living. So yeah, it's yeah, actually using yeah, yeah. what's there to, to uh, continue uh, uh, your Australians existence. even garden
2: aggressively. Mm.
3: But in my mind, I can just see Ricky Ponting kicking the wicket with his yeah, heel. Um. That's how he swept the wicket around to yeah. clear it up. But that was, that's wrong. It's
2: funny to think of the pitch as a desk or like or kind of like a shared <laughs> workspace. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like a Regis building. There's always yeah. different companies there. You've got a shared receptionist, <laughs> yeah. you know, but your desk is an absolute mess. It's yeah. Exactly. Bad. Standing desk, though. It's a standing desk. It's a standing yeah, exactly. desk. Well, what that come into play? Yeah. But
0: I, I love the idea of, because uh, I'd never considered that before. Um, I don't think anyone in Australia had that. Like, no. you can see a cricket wicket yeah. and go, that piece good. will fit really well in this uneven yeah. piece here. Yeah. Where does that end? I mean, it becomes. I mean, we love renovation rescue <laughs> at our homes and gardens. You know, we start having
2: reality TV shows. So how does it work? Do they, do they just use their bat to nurdle it into yeah. the, to yeah. the crevice, yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or like do you just pick it up? So they, they
0: think the ball spins less, at, or spins with more evenness mm. if you fill in the holes. Whereas we kick the ho- we kick debris yeah. away, yeah. making
3: sharp edges. Yeah, Renault so, Rumble, exactly. Renault Rumble, you Rumble. I mean, going back to the England series. I mean, for mine, like anybody who's getting sacked for losing a series in India, or or. Uh, hints that he should resign I think is way too far. I think Alistair Cook is, is doing a fine job and I think Joe, for him, is a little bit too early. Um, I know in my mind he's still a 14-year-old boy or yes. Ellen DeGeneres yeah. but um, but he I think it's a little bit too soon for Root just yet I think Cook's
2: got a lot, to, a, lot, a lot to offer. I'm sure the ECB will take that on board. <laughs> Gideon Hay coming up.
4: This summer we've got the biggest renovation challenge yet two teams will have to transform not one but two broken down grade cricket dressing rooms every single week. There will be tension.
0: What even is grade cricket Dazza? Why do we take time off
2: work to do this?
4: Come on Charlesy, work hard love. (laughs) There will be drama.
0: I I just want to make this perfect. Grade cricket deserves a great home.
4: But when the reveal comes, there will be joy. Oh, oh oh, 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 oh god, lads, boys, look at this, (laughs) eh? Results! (laughs) Results!
3: Ever since the missus booted me out and took the kids, I've been sleeping in this dressing room. It's a second home to me, literally. So this is this is really special us
0: to be able to come in and give these great cricketers a beautiful new dressing room, one they can drink their beers in sing the club's song, judge each other in the showers, yeah you know, it makes you feel good
4: but this ain't no charity, not when the stakes are this high I'm not here for a bloody holiday if
0: I wanted that I would have gone to Bali or Thailand
4: it's Australia's toughest renovation competition Winner takes all. If I have to dish out a little bit of chin music, I will. (laughs) Presented by Australia's favourite knockabout blue-collared larrikin millionaire. We're giving great cricket the Renault makeover it deserves. Renault Rampage, coming soon. Boys, the
0: guy we're about to speak to has been writing about sport, business, both and neither. For more than 30 years Mm. He's contributed to more than 100 newspapers and magazines He's written 32 books and edited 7 others Though some say 30 books there's a bit of conjecture that we'll ask him about, my cricket, etc., sure. statistics. Mm. Um, the esteemed publication The Observer declared him uh, about him in 2005 if Flintoff is the cricketer that England waited two decades for, this man may be the writer for a game that inspires literature. He can do comical, historical, and tactical. He can also quote Hobbs G.K. Chesterton, and Mark Twain and not sound as if he's showing off. It is our great pleasure to welcome Gideon Hay. Gideon, welcome to The Great Cricketer. <laughs>
1: It's an honour. It's an honour that I've been waiting for. This is the culmination of my entire career. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and just for a bit of background, you've just said to us that uh, you're speaking to us from a flip phone. Uh, the battery may go dead. And uh, you're also at a cricket game at the moment.
1: I am. I'm at the Matty Shield game at uh, Tourek Park, watching uh, Box Hill per- ladies play Peran ladies. And it is a beautiful summer scene, a gorgeous suburban oval, uh, Meg Lanning in the, in the centre, and... Um, it's pretty glorious actually, fantastic ground here, great atmosphere and um, some very high quality cricket going on in the middle.
2: Kids, that sounds fantastic and I think we generally start the so podcast... So we're calling Gids. yeah, yeah. yeah no, we've met once before so yeah. on, well, that's yeah. how we're going. Yeah. Um, look, we usually start the podcast the same way every week. Just to kind of ask a bit about your relationship to club cricket, I know that you... Um, your team, the Yarra's, you're obviously very fond of that and have a strong relationship with them. Maybe you can kind of talk to us uh, about your, your current
1: relationship with uh, with the grade system. Uh, fondness really doesn't kind of cover it. <laughs> it's a sort of a uh, tormented, tumultuous love affair that I've had with this club for, for 22 years. It's pretty treated me pretty, pretty meanly at times, but I keep coming back for more. Have you ever paid subs? <laughs> I, I haven't played subs, despite the fact that I'm an honorary life member. Um, I go on, uh, go on plugging away. And uh, look, you know, I'm the game's record holder, and uh, and I tell you what, there, um, I've got my BDI on number two and three on the uh, on the games list too. And I don't like it when they're playing and I'm not. I've broken broke my finger three weeks ago, so I've been out since then. But I'm determined to get back this weekend.
2: Oh, is that your writing finger? <laughs>
1: No, it's my it's my it's my it's my ring finger on my left hand, so I can't get my wedding ring on at the moment, which was causing my wife great chagrin. So are you only on more circuits now? <laughs> I could easily do that. I'm not sure my wife would notice. So I told her when I was going to cricket she'd just went the other way.
0: Now, I guess, Gideon, we're talking about your time at the Yarra's. I don't think as many people would be as familiar with you as a player versus you as a writer, so I looked up your My Cricket stats. Uh, and if you wouldn't mind, I know this is probably the, the worst thing, this is the worst way you can alpha somebody yeah, on air, but I, 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 think, I think it's something to be proud of. Uh, 3,880 runs at a batting average of 20 and a higher score of 92. We'll get to that in a second. 312 wickets at 16.57 and best bowling of 6 for 6. My question to you, Gideon, is how would Gideon Hay describe Gideon Hay as a cricketer?
1: i tell you what, I'd love to face myself. <laughs> I, I sort of dream of that. I'm sure that there's some virtual reality simulation on the cards that will enable me to do that eventually, but I've always, I've always longed to tonk myself all over the park. Something uh, about those. <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know how few wiles I've actually got. Uh the 92, uh, interestingly, it took me all day, and um, it was the last two-day game that I played. I, I sort of suddenly slipped below that, that plimsoll line that, uh, that distinguishes uh, two-day cricketer from one-day cricket, so I went out on a high, or if, you, if you can describe making 92 in a day as a high, uh, and uh, uh, ever since then I've been sort of scraping the bottom of the barrel in the... Um, in, um, in the I'm down to the fifths now, uh, kids,
2: Sam and I play. Actually, played a cameo with your team last season. I think you compiled Indeed. a pretty neat forty or fifty odd not out, even fifty.
1: In, yeah. And was, a, would you like to talk us through your performance? No, we won't, we won't go there. Um, I wasn't planning on going there. Uh, you know, but you know,
2: I, I, it wasn't unnoticed on my behalf that most of these runs came behind square, uh, <laughs> kind, of, kind of nerdling the ball. In that respect, I'm just wondering when the last time. Uh, it was that you kind of opened the shoulders and hit a maximum for
1: the 50's, 50s, fifty, whether it's nurdled or not, Sam. You, uh, and I must say that the, uh, you've given that, that magnificent... Oh, sorry, Dave. That magnificent yeah. straight drive, which surprised me almost as much as surprised the bowler. <laughs> uh,
0: so, Gideon, I mean, on to what uh, you know, you're know you most well-known for, and rightly so, we, we spoke with... Brendan Julian, I wouldn't call him a contemporary of yours a couple of weeks ago about the state of Australian cricket writing and cricket commentary. Mm. And, you know, many people would argue, including me, that you're the best in the world at it. And I don't mean to be sycophantic about it. But I wanted to ask you while we have you here, what, what do you think makes good cricket writing? Who do you admire? And uh, as a third appendix, if you would, if you will, mm, yeah. what's the place of social media in cricket?
1: Oh, it's got no place in my life. Um, that last question is very easily answered well, uh, in my case. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, but what makes good cricket writing? Good writing, good writing. That's the simplest answer, you know. Fresh, lucid, lively prose. You know, illuminated by original thinking that doesn't take itself too seriously. It's not. It's not rocket surgery. Um, cricket writing. It's um, you know, it's it, it shares all the attributes that uh, that one um, sort of associates with with. Quality literature. Sometimes I think we sort of we overemphasise the cricket and we underemphasize the writing. Every piece of writing should be a pleasure to read and to leave the reader feeling, uh, you know, subtly illuminated afterwards. Uh, you know, I take a lot of care over my my writing um, because I know that's the kind of person that I that I am. But uh, maybe the maybe the writing these days has become a bit of an afterthought, and that we're so sort of obsessed with the idea that. You need to have cricket uh, credentials, as it were, in order to have an opinion. That we've that we've forgotten that um, that ultimately it's 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 about the reading experience as much as it is about the conveyance of uh, of a view. Mm.
2: Yeah, Gideon. I mean, you've got a book out at the moment. Uh, speaking of writing, it's on Victor Trumper. It's called Stroke of Genius. Uh, you you could be forgiven, I think, in this country for thinking that Australian cricket history kind of began and ended with Bradman. But, of course, Trumper was really the first iconic cricketer. Uh, can you just run us through a little bit about Trumper and what made him kind of so brilliant compared to yeah. his peers?
1: Well, iconic is a very good word to use in his case. I mean, it's, it's often overused in the, in the context of uh, contemporary culture. But he exists these days primarily as an icon, as a, as a, as a, as a visual uh, figure. He's probably the first figure, in fact, who was a cricketing figure who was chiefly bequeathed to history in a visual form. I mean, the the, the, so the, the bones of, of Trump's career are that he played 48 test matches between 1899 and 1912 and made um, 3,613 runs at an average of 39.04 and made 800s, but, I mean, that's the least interesting thing about him. It's his... Significance as a uh, as an embodiment of a certain kind of Australian cricketer, uh, he creates a sort of a, uh, a, a blueprint or a, or, a, or a, um, a, an originating form for the kind of the idea of Australian cricketers being sort of attacking, aggressive, uh, taking the game on, um, and showing a certain style and brio and generosity in uh, in, in doing so. Uh, he was as famous for his uh, blameless character as he was for his immensely stylish batting. Uh, uh, the interesting thing is that up until Trumper, uh, Australian cricket had been identified with uh, a pretty austere style of, uh, of, of cricket, that we were known to be sort of resilient and, and practical, but, but not particularly adventurous. But Trumper is the, is the kind of guy who, who breaks the mould of, of Australian cricket before him and leaves it ever after changed. And in that sense, the idea that he could be summed up in a single image playing a beautiful attacking shot is actually not misleading at all. And that's one of the reasons why the, why the image so resonated with people at the time and makes such a natural fit with uh, those sort of half-remembered factoids that we, uh, that we have about the legend.
3: He's he's actually a club legend of uh, of my club uh, here in Sydney, Gordon, and I'm fairly certain. I I know for a fact there's a story. I don't know how true it is (laughs) (laughs) because I I haven't checked on my cricket because it wasn't available when he was playing. But um, (laughs) but um, but he scored 300 in a day. Um, and I don't oh, know good. If, if that's the... he was good. Yeah, he was good, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know how that's possible given he played on uncovered wickets, wasn't sponsored, and was batting with a two yeah. yeah. Well, he made
1: 335 in three hours. Um, <laughs> I was playing, just three uh, hours? Yeah, yeah playing, for, um, playing for Gordon against uh, Redfern. Right, uh, yeah. But, yeah, that, but it was eight ball overs back then, so it's a
2: bit different. <laughs> yeah.
1: Race the actually, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't eight ball overs until the 1920s. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, his, his, his scoring rate, they didn't keep ball-by-ball stats in those days, but his scoring rate, I think, in runs per minute is still unequal in, uh, in test cricket. I think Adam Gilchrist is probably the closest <laughs> who's come to it. Mm.
3: If, if we can um, move sort of a hundred years down the line of, uh, of of Australian cricketers, I mean Shane, Shane Warne is someone who has uh, captured the imagination uh, for many reasons, he and his new face. Um, but uh, but you wrote uh, a book that the three of us here in studio here have have thoroughly enjoyed on Warne, um, and I just wanted to ask you. I mean, I think I think I'm right in saying that you first met him in was it 1994? Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, yep. and
3: and one of your first meetings with him, you sort of noticed that then he was like struggling with coming to terms with his fame. Um, How do you see Warren's evolution from when you met him to as far along as today?
1: I I don't think he was struggling. I I think he was getting used to it, but I think he actually had kind of got to like it. I I don't think there's ever been a man in Australian cricket history who's been as comfortable with the trappings of fame as as Shane Warren. It took him... Very little time to, uh, to get used to being the centre of attention. And there's part of him that's, that's always gone on loving that role. Uh, yeah, back in back in those days, he was coming to terms with the idea that everyone would have a view about him even though they hadn't met him, which is a confronting idea for, for someone who, uh, you know, I think he was only 24 at, uh, at that age. Uh, the idea that, you know, when he walks into a room, everyone's going to already know who he is. And, uh, and have a view about him. But, you know, the way in which he uttered that, that sentiment, which he actually articulated to me at the end of our interview, was someone who was just rolling it around in the back of their head. It wasn't a terrible thing. It wasn't a, it wasn't a malign development. It was just something that he knew that he was going to have to get used to. And he was right. Mm.
2: Gideon, if we can now just jump back seventy years, because <laughs> uh, we like to so do when he you bought in a your current fashion. phone. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. uh, look, I want, to, I want to talk briefly about Bradman, if we can, because you know can we you like want? to make a lot of jokes on this podcast about Bradman, oh. mainly because he's been treated like a god in this country. But also, oh. it's funny to think about how we'd go in the modern era of you know aggressive alpha grade cricket. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, but it's it's yeah. been well. years since since Bradman passed, and, and you've written about Bradman extensively. Uh, I'm just wondering what you think about the legacy of Bradman and, and whether it will indeed live in, live on. Uh, you know, in the next 20, 30 years, how's it going today, or will it kind of just be reduced to you know just the ninety nine point nine four average because yeah. you know, the final vestige.
1: Well, I think it's um, we're a very statistically, we're an increasingly statistically focused game. So in that sense, you know that 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 corner of the game is going to be preserved forever in his image. He is going to be the benchmark in in some respects. Mm. Every sport would like a Bradman figure, and cricket's good fortune is that it is that it already has one. I mean, I suspect that the legend will go on being contested. I mean, the kind of the the, the phenomenon that, you, that you're talking about—that sort of late period uh, rediscovery of Bradman by the kind of the forces of social conservatism in Australia you know the idea of the greatest living Australian and then the greatest dead Australian uh mm. kind of became a bit you know, you know, it was irritating it was something that you that you instinctively reacted against but there's no doubt that Bradman's been more successful as a thing that Australians value than anyone in sort of any comparable walk of life i mean the fact is that you know, it's, it's quantifiable, his, his degree of superiority, that's, that's one of the fundamentally uh, sort of uh, reductive things about sport, but it does mean that you can sort of estimate uh, his prowess relative to, uh, to, to the competition. I mean, in a sense, we've gone on telling ourselves the same story about Bradman over and over again. That, if anything, that would be my criticism of the way in which Bradman's been studied, we only want to know about, you know, the period, the 20-year period where he was at the at the peak of his powers, and the rest of his life fades into insignificance. We we've betrayed a kind of a, a bit of an incuriosity, a genuine incuriosity about the figure. We don't want because to know. we want to go, we don't want to know. We want to go on believing in it. It's just such a marvelous story that if you um you you don't want to interfere with um with uh something that's so comforting, so reassuring.
4: Uh, I, I
0: get the impression, Gideon, that you're somebody who might um, be so courageous as to inquire as to the parts that we might not want to know about. Well, what are the parts about Bradman do you think Australia might not want to inquire about?
1: Uh, Sectarian they're not. Yeah, they're <laughs> not It's not necessarily that you have to penetrate the the secrets of Bradman. Mm. I mean, uh, you just have you to know, ask the know, question. In a way, uh, a lot of a lot of the, that kind of biographical grist for the mill has kind of gone by the board because all Bradman's contemporaries are, are dead. Uh, you know, he's, um, and his literary estate is basically uh, can't be touched because the copyright will be controlled until 75 years after his death. So uh, the possibilities of adding significantly to an intimate understanding of, of Bradman's life are remote. But the context of Bradman's fame and the, the context of the country that, that he inhabited and the institutions that he helped to shape, I don't think we understand those well at all. We basically just keep on talking about the 99.94 mm-hmm. and reciting the scores off the top of our head, which I've no doubt that that you three boys can do because you're sort of natural cricketing patriots. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Gideon, if I can um, now move along to 100 years' time from now... <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to ask you about where the game's going um, mm. and, and perhaps perhaps one hundred years is a little bit too long that's that's set in jest, but um, mm. I mean something that you're a part of is the, is the the documentary Death of a gentleman, which is really fascinating in terms mm. of... It speaks of australia 's place amongst uh, India and England in, and really the monopoly yeah. the monopolizing of, of cricket in those countries I mean if you could speak freely about that. Um, uh, for a little bit and then and then perhaps where do you see the game as going because I mean do you see the game as slowly dying out in terms of numbers being played in a competitive environment or do you see the game as strong as ever?
1: Well I mean the economy of of, of cricket is unlike the economy of, of any other comparable sport. No other single country is so dominant in its sport uh, economically speaking as India is in, in cricket sure. and that is having kind of a distorting effect on the uh, on the shape of the game, and yeah. uh, a sense um, you know, it's the it's the it's the Indian consumer um, who is going to have the decisive say in the direction of the game, and we're all really spectators to that. And I don't think even the people who are running the game in India really understand the, the direction in which the game is headed. They're sort of uh, climbing aboard this giant elephant that's sort of rumbling off down the down the road. We're not quite sure where it's going to lead, but it's probably going to make them quite a lot of money in the in the interim. But mm. we, we are seeing the collapse. You're right of the of the system of of international cricket as as we've known it. It was remarkably stable for a very long time. Uh, you know, it's amazing that the institution of the Test match has withstood challenge for uh for for such a long period, having been invented you know in the uh, in the in the late 19th century. Yeah. I, I guess the next the next sort of Interesting step, and I guess one of the things that perhaps we're we're sort of unaware of is the sort of the stealth corporatization of the game. I mean, we're accustomed to the idea that there are all these influences now external to uh, to the game that are having influences over it. There's you know there's the players, the administrators, government, broadcasters, sponsors, the Supreme Court of India, which is uh, which is having a, a pretty big say in the way in which cricket is run in India at the moment, but but also, I think that private capital is probably the next uh, shoe to drop, mm-hmm. as it as it were. Uh, you know, already it's it's uh, basically runs the IPL that um, that's tied itself to, uh, to Indian corporate fortunes. But I suspect that the next step will be possibly the sale of BBL franchises in Australia. I suspect it might already have happened if uh, if the money had been available to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the some of the IPL owners have already reached out to the Caribbean Premier League. Perhaps the next step will be kind of transnational corporate institutions controlling different sporting properties, and that's going to have uh, an effect on the uh, on the existing institutional structures of, of cricket, which, mm-hmm. can't, which we can't quite predict. A uh,
0: thorough answer a into a possibly dystopian future um <laughs> for, for critics, depending on um when you 're born i guess we're going to move on to a, like a a lighter part of the Interview if that's okay with you, getting sure. kind of throw throwdowns. I don't know how familiar you are with it, but uh, we give you. I'm familiar with throwdowns.
1: <laughs> I do quite like them, I must say.
0: <laughs> you won't uh, like these. Yeah. They <laughs> make you feel much, much better.
1: <laughs> we uh Yeah,
0: they, they do. They're like a cure yeah, out there. Yeah. Um,
2: Comfort food food for,
0: for cricketers.
2: Cricketers.
1: Yeah elixir. uh,
0: We'll ask you a question and we'll just ask you to answer as quickly as possible, maybe 10 seconds maximum Uh, so I'll I'll kick off Uh, Kitty and as we know, cricketers operate in a feudal society where respect is conferred in direct relation to runs scored wickets (laughs) taken and test matches played Um, does the same system exist in cricket writing and if so, how many times have you said to people, how many books have you written champ?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's never come to mind I must say Uh, Knowing full well that none of the potential respondents would have read a single one of those books.
2: (laughs) Uh, Gideon, uh, your thesis, Information Idol, How Google is Making Us Stupid, talks about how the search engine's methods are narrowing public dialogue. Based on his single-minded approach to aggression and hardness, is Darren Lehman coaching Australia using Google, and what does this say about his search history?
1: I did once meet a man who'd learned how to play the front foot defensive shot by uh, by Googling what it was what it was all like. Uh, and if it, if it worked out as badly for him, um, then I really don't want to see that um, becoming part of Darren Lehman's kit bag. <laughs> Gids, what gives
3: you the right to have an opinion about cricket when you haven't even played any test matches?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I often say Mike Atherton... Uh, I often say that Mike Atherton and I have played 115 test matches between us. Uh <laughs> And I figured I've stood close enough to him that at least a few of those test matches must have, must have brushed off on me. <laughs> Just ge- geographical
2: proximity is yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Gideon, word has it you don't
0: drive and don't drink. How are you able to out for a single person at your cricket club?
1: You're right. I'm a, I'm a dismal failure in that respect. I mean, my as I was getting into the car a few years ago with my daughter, she said, Daddy... You can't drive. I said, no, no, I, I can't drive. She said, and, and and you don't cook. I said, no, no, I don't cook. And she looked at me sympathetically for a moment, and a little smile came across her face, and she said, but you can play cricket with your friends. <laughs> 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 I thought, she totally worked me out. Boy, totally worked me out. <laughs> The main spice of the in her short life has been Daddy walking out the door with his cricket bag over his shoulder. Oh, sad, sad state
2: of affairs. Oh, my
3: God. Uh,
2: OK, Gideon... You, cut, you often appear on Offsiders, uh, yes. perhaps the only reliable source of sports opinion on free-to-air television. <laughs> However, it's hidden down the order in the low-rating slot of Sunday morning. How many chops you away from a primetime berth on QA? and <laughs> I
1: must say, I've never actually watched Offsiders, uh, and, I've, and I'm completely unaware of, of who actually watches it, but it's, um, look, it's classic El Cheapo ABC television. I think the fact that we share the same set of insiders is uh, should make us Michelle Guthrie's pin-up voice.
3: <laughs> Gitz, how inconvenient was it for you that your wife gave birth to your daughter in the middle of a Boxing Day test? And what excuse did you use to get out of it?
1: Good question. I, I actually got married in the uh, in the mid-season break of the previous season. Uh, the, the priority, of course, was to make sure that I didn't miss a game for the Yaris, And I'm proud to say that I didn't even miss a training session. Uh, funny enough, I did actually. Uh, uh, I, I ran into Warney the day before uh, my wife was due to give birth, and uh, he took one look at my wife and said, To boy, to boy, my wife looked bad shape when, uh, when, when we were having our boy. And of course, it was a girl. So <laughs> That's but he said it. But he said it with such confidence.
2: <laughs> uh, Gid, speaking of Warnie, uh, in On Warn, you actually compare Shane Warn with Jez from the UK sitcom Peep Show, due to his ability to wander into mishap and misadventure so often that it sometimes suggested an unconscious relish for it. So if Warn is Jez, then am I right in guessing that Colin Miller is Super Hans? <laughs>
1: Oh, oh it just the opens the up mind-boggling possibilities, doesn't it? But who is Big Suze?
0: <laughs> uh, Gideon, you say that you're not on social media, inverted commas. This question actually no. came in from a colleague of yours who wanted to remain anonymous.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but they also say you're well across what's happening on social media. So what's the handle of your secret, presumably egg, Twitter account? <laughs> oh,
1: no, I just, I've got absolutely no idea about it. Uh, I do have Peter Lawler, Peter Lawler, who is my eyes and ears, I often tell him. He's in touch with the young folk. But, uh, but really, a whole sort of social media storm has passed me by on a daily basis, and I'm, uh, I'm sure that, um, that I'm missing out on something. But I can guarantee you that, frankly, if, if you ever see me on Twitter, you know that it's over. <laughs> because i always I always arrive at a new technology at the minute that it 's becoming obsolete,
3: yeah. well, following on from that kids um, I mean you are frequently referred to as the greatest cricket writer in the world. Do you have any idea how hard it is to make a joke in one hundred and forty characters or less on the internet for four and a half years?
1: I never want to find out <laughs> never want to find out it 's a problem with twitter i 'm just too long winded for it i 'm afraid. <laughs>
2: Kids, your new book, as we discussed earlier, is based on the famous photograph of Trumper playing a staged, photo, uh, a staged cover drive in the early 1900s, mm. arguably the most evocative image in cricketing history. Any truth of the rumour that your new book will focus on Glenn Maxwell's infamous reverse sweep by <laughs> batting three in a test versus <laughs> Pakistan and how that represents the general malaise in Australian society in the post war Buchanan era? No,
1: you know, the funny thing is that um, some of the descriptions that I've heard of Trumper remind me of Glenn Maxwell. Uh, this capacity that uh, that was said that, that that Trump had for hitting an identical ball to six different places on the field. I thought when I think of that, I think of Glenn Maxwell. So that's um, I actually feel a strange wave of affection coming coming over me when I uh, when I imagine the parallels. I can't see him sort of. Buying sheet music from uh, from an urchin in a uh, in a London street <laughs> for fear that the child will go to bed hungry. <laughs> but look, um, I get as much pleasure from watching Glenn Maxwell as I do from from any contemporary international cricketer, precisely because I don't really know what's going to happen next. Maybe Glenn doesn't either.
3: When you ran a feature story on us for Boxing Day, for the Boxing Day edition of The Australian last year, was that the first time you realised that cricket in this country is seriously in trouble?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Look, it was... um, It was a mistake. It was... (laughs) Well, it was... um, was, I I, I got a lot of pleasure out of that. I got a lot of pleasure out of discovering you guys. Um, It was... I don't know. we, We... we sort of complain about the quality of of cricket writing in in Australia and and we complain about sort of the decline of, you know, what we regard as sort of these these whole institutions. But I actually think that cricket writing is, in some sense, has never been more exciting and more various and more open to outside influences. And I actually feel a kind of a... Having always fancied myself as a bit of an outsider cricket writer myself, this environment really, really suits me. Um... It's you know I started writing for a fanzine back in 1990 uh, with with no cricketing background at all. I was a business journalist, and uh, so you know does my heart a lot of good when I see um, new, interesting, fresh voices uh, entering into the field. The trick is, of course, to stay that way. Uh, I guess that's why you've sort of tackled a, um, a new uh, a new milieu or a new um, or a new. <laughs> Uh, the podcast. Um, what do you do next? What I know. That's what the public is. <laughs> that's what the public is crying out for. Yeah, they really
0: are. It's been such a privilege to have you on, Gideon, this week. Uh, I, I think it's fair to say you're probably the most erudite ga- guest we've had. Um, it's between you and Brad Hogg. <laughs> Brad Hogg and, uh, was pretty good. <laughs> cool. was good. I thought Merv was all right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But it, really, a, a, hu- a huge privilege for us, Gideon. Thank you so much for joining us and, uh, and for your encouragement as well.
1: Uh, I'm, I'm absolutely wrecked. Look, the flip phone. How long well does it last? It's been on one bar for the last half hour.
2: Don't make them like they used to.
1: So don't make them like they used to. I'll, I'll, live, I'll never get it. another one. Too. I'll never get another one. <laughs> good, good, good luck charging uh, over the next couple <laughs> Thanks, Gideon. Cheers,
2: thanks, mate. Thanks, boys. Cheers. See ya. Lads, that time of the week where we take your questions, uh, the great Cricketer followers, you can reach us on social media via Twitter or Facebook. This first question to us comes from Dan Ranson. Mm. He asks, is there a correlation between the number of sponsors on a training shirt and the quality of cricket? No, there, there's not.
0: And he actually, Dan lists a club team in here well, that, I didn't want to mention yeah. the club yeah, No, no um, neither but for the commercial reasons yeah absolutely legal reasons but that club but that club has 14 sponsors yeah. 14 sponsors yeah. uh, I think I've always thought there was a correlation between the number of sponsors and their place in the community and that the community actually liked the game <laughs> I
3: was going to say the exact same thing yeah, yeah. oh really yeah. Yeah. yeah so I
0: was kind of admired it and was a bit jealous of it yeah Yeah. Um, but they're, I often find the sponsors are really kind of
2: awkwardly placed
0: on t-shirts yeah. like to be fit in like a really kind of
2: tacky NRL side <laughs> as well. yeah. so. and you wouldn't want to it depends on the tiers of Sponsors as well, and I'm assuming these are all just you know local, you know Danny's Auto Parts, Campbell Down, Camden. You know, mm-hmm. isn't sitting alongside BHTP Billiton, <laughs> you know, or, or some, yeah yeah, 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 none of that. Yeah, They're just 14 very, very small businesses, all competing for space on a club cricket shirt. Wouldn't that would that intimidate you? Just
0: seeing a side sponsored by KPMG. <laughs> I feel the same when I play Phil Mickelson at golf. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs>
0: Callum Holloway writes in, uh, playing my season in Australia from England, I came up against Brenton Parchment, former West Indies test player, two caps. Uh, it was 36 degrees and I was into my 12th over when Brenton Dill scooped me over our keeper's head for four. I followed this with a can't-you-play-a-proper-shot champ and the very next delivery he walked down the pitch as I was mid run up before <laughs> pelting the ball over the sight screen for one of the biggest sixes I've ever seen. Looking past this, was I right to champ him originally, and should I stop name dropping this into most cricket related
2: conversations I have with blokes <laughs> I've just met? Two pronged question there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, look, yeah. I think the champing is warranted. Don't you? <laughs> uh, well you, you, yeah, you if, you, your, like, you, if you like if you like losing. Yeah. See my take well, on I just a... think he's he's still scooped him first mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Um, and you, you have to, it's just a natural reaction to champ someone, regardless mm. of their level or, or experience at the test arena. You have to champ him. And I like that um, Brenton Parchaman has walked down the pitch as, as, as Callum. Is uh, mid run up. Yeah, like it's not even
0: in the delivery stride, no. like
2: he just starts walking at it. Yeah. How long's his run up? Like 24 paces he's walked up. He's, <laughs> he's 12 paces in, yeah. halfway from the sight screen, and he's, you haven't seen it, but you've still been hit for one of the biggest sixes you've ever seen. <laughs> your head. See, I think Callum here, is, for mine, he's come full
3: circle because, I mean, first of all, um, Brenton Parchment obviously is West Indian, therefore cooler than everyone else yep, in the game. immediately. So therefore, he can get away with Dill scooping. Um, first ball. Um, I don't like, I think, can't you play a proper shot champ as shit chat, if I'm being honest? But then Callum brings me back and I've come full circle with him um, by saying that should he be bringing this into conversations with blokes he's just met? I, th- mm. I found that funny. So well played, Callum. So um, yeah. bad chat originally, sledging West Indian. Let him do whatever he but wants keep to Keep dropping you. it in, yeah. But keep dropping it in. Adrian Walton,
0: uh, his moniker is at I'm Adge. Says, uh, creams or whites? Is one more alpha? Does one show off the rig better than the other? Can we be quick with this? Whites,
3: yuck.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to creams v. whites, all I ask for is consistency. You can't have 11 blokes on the same team with various different shades of white or creams. So spot on. That's all I care about.
3: The man... Writes in and says, "Do you pay for new training tops or wear the shirt from eight or nine years ago?" Subtle reminder to all that you've been around for a bit. I really, I really like that. He yeah. uses the hashtag ICGC as well. Mm. Um, that's fantastic. I mean, that's first thing that you do. You've got to wear the oldest club shirt that you have possible, giving you as much social capital as possible. Yeah. <laughs> Old, I mean, when I started playing grade
0: cricket, old stuff was good. It was kind of retro, vintage, yep. uh, someone's experience. I just wonder, like, the more we've thought mm-hmm. about cricket, the, the more, how long mm. ago do you wear a shirt or do you, like, is, do you wear a shirt before it becomes embarrassing? What 2007 kit look like? Mm. It just doesn't or, look good. It doesn't look like good time, I'm just assuming everything
2: old looks like, you know, retro 80s or 90s kit, but it doesn't. It just looks bad and unfashionable. Mm. If you're, like,
0: 20 and you see someone in it, something from 1989, you're like, what are you still doing here? Mm.
3: <laughs> when are you going to move on, yeah. Can I read out a long one here from Facebook. No, nah, a... the Facebook ones are good. Yeah. And you know what? If the listeners have made it this far, they're listening to the end. Okay. <laughs> or, they're, or they're asleep. No presumptions. Yeah. And they'll hear yeah, us. We got your click. Yeah. yeah. You got <laughs> we the got, got your download. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, Reg yeah. Roberts. I might be watching uh, the cricket. He start... Reg Roberts starts. He just says, Guys, mm. you focus a lot on the son to dad relationship, but what about the other? Understanding this isn't quite grade cricket, but it's the stepping stone, mm. junior club cricket. Mm-hmm. He's a dad of three boys, Reg, 14, 12, and 10. Yep. And he goes on he says, what's my expectations for watching their games? Should I be splitting my time <laughs> evenly, or can I devote most of my time to the under-14s, whereby at least it resembles cricket rather than the under-10s, where it's more often not just a game of wides interspersed with a bunch of overthrows? Oh. <laughs> I'm torn between my duties as a dad and those as a cricket fan. Cheers, Reg.
2: Great question. Great <laughs> question. Great question. <laughs> Must just say, it's great that the dads are reaching out to us yeah. now. You know, usually we get children worrying about their relationship (laughs) with their father and now it's the absolute reverse. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like I think, you know, (laughs) splitting your time evenly is the diplomatic approach. But Mm -hmm. I I personally would identify the one with the best talent relative to his age group. Spot on. Because when he eventually makes it you can say that you taught him everything.
0: Yeah, I mean, self-interest governs all. Even if you're the father of three
3: young humans, yeah, uh, trying to make their way and looking up to you for everything, you've still got to be self-interested. I mean, this is why cricket's dying, right? Because like, imagine like our parents drove across all th- for all three of us. They drove mm. across the state, greatest, sometimes interstate mm. to watch rubbish, like to watch me bat eight and not bowl, mm. yep. um, and uh, and just talk to parents that I thought he got along with well well, he hasn't kept in touch with them so he obviously hated all of them and this is maybe something to throw
0: out there to the listeners if you're still with us after this amount of time I'm actually quite interested in the social dynamic between parents in cricket if you've got any questions out there for this section just illuminating what it's like to deal with other parents and dads and mums I think that that's untapped stuff Mm
2: -hmm. what about the parents that set up tents (laughs) like over on one side of the field (laughs) They always kind of I'll get here first. It's like they're you know getting a spot at you know the big day out or something. to set up shop here. Yeah. Did you ever liaise yeah. with them? They I'm imagining the like a, like of a yeah
3: the ones who sit the other side. They're always the rarest parents, and you're yeah. like the kind of place you go to the house. and They've all got all weird stuff. Yeah, <laughs>
1: there's always the dad Nothing who matches. walks around Nothing the
0: oval matches. because he's just watching his son like a hawk as well. Knows yeah, everything yeah. about his average yeah. of three decimal points stuff. <laughs> yeah. He's you happy to talk conference call to, a call to call China. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's one or the other. It's definitely one or the other. Okay, I think we do well there. Max Denning Yeah says, uh, again, it's a longish one. Dear TGC, <laughs> uh, I'm getting socially alpha more alpha stuff, by my ex-girlfriend. I find my friends preferring to spend time with her instead of me. How can I resolve this conflict with a great cricketing mindset?
4: <laughs> Considering <laughs> she doesn't
0: play or understand cricket. So my state-level <laughs> leg side shots won't be appreciated. I have no way to alpha her back. My second instinct is to challenge... That's kind of a oxymoron, isn't it? Uh, is to challenge my opponent to a fight. <laughs> won't work because she's a woman, what should, what should I do to put out for her?
3: This is, well, this is an easy oh, This mate. is an easy one. Get yourself down to the gym. Get your pipes mm. as big as possible. Make her jealous. Make her see what you're missing out on. And just, because she, she'll yeah. see those pipes and she'll yeah, be thinking, yeah, yeah.
2: think of the maximums he's hitting now. I mean, I'm already assuming his Facebook profile pic is him hitting, hitting a cover drive. So change that. <laughs> Maybe put yourself, yeah. you know, one of those promotional shots of you at a nightclub. Um, you've also asked us to resolve this with a great cricketing mindset. Yeah, is there well, any he, flexibility on that? No. I, I think it's go and get big pipes. Yeah, yeah, you, big it does wonders pipes, for your life. Well, there's I mean, only one answer and it's
3: pipes. I mean, worst thing you can do is train legs. That's, that's literally the worst thing that he could possibly do.
0: What a gargantuan show it's been this week, guys. I, I hope everyone out there enjoyed Gideon Hay. Something, uh, a different perspective, someone uh, who can string words together better than anybody, really, including us, uh, when it comes to cricket. Uh, keep sending your questions in. Big thanks always to, to Shano, Jules and AJ for your help with the design, the graphics, uh, the music, the voiceovers, the silly yeah. ads and stuff. Mm. Uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Cheers. Cheers.